What's up, Duke fans? Welcome to the Devil's Den podcast. I'm your host, Josh Smith, joined by my co-hosts, Raul and Shu. Um, coming at you, reacting a little bit to the PK-85. Didn't get the result that we wanted. Um, we end up going 2-1 and one over Feast Week. Had a grind at Slugfest, went over Oregon State. Um, so if you listened to the last pod where I thought we were going to roll, not quite the case. Uh, we, we did come back, bounce back well, had a great win against Xavier before falling a little short to Purdue in the finals there. Um, so we'll go through, we'll talk about our spot player spotlights. We'll kind of, you know, pick apart some of these wins, some of the losses, what we see going forward as we get closer and closer to conference play. And then we'll wrap up and preview the Ohio State game coming in. So the ACC Big Ten Challenge, got Ohio State and Cameron Wednesday coming up for you. Um, so we'll just go through it a little bit briefly here. So uh, Thanksgiving, Duke opens up. We're playing Oregon State. <clears throat> Excuse me. Grind it, select best game. We end up pulling it out 54-51. That signaled for a lot of us there that there was a little bit of trouble. Didn't really like the way we started. Didn't like the way we came out and played. Um, end up bouncing back, though. You know, we bounced back primarily due to Jeremy Roach having his best game this season against Xavier. Had a really strong offensive first half. Kind of spluttered a little bit down, down the stretch. Ended up winning, I think, about 7, 71-64 on that one. And then turned around Sunday and had a really tough one to Purdue. Um, ended up losing by 19. So Purdue got a 75-56. It wasn't really that close. Um, it didn't feel that close. They went on a big 21 to 4 run in the first half. And then we just go nine minutes without scoring basically in the second half to didn't really give ourselves much of a chance here. Um so we'll, we'll jump into our player spotlights before we kind of talk too much about the actual tournament and our thoughts on that. Typically, we had been doing these as pretty good spotlights. I think this week we might see a little bit differently. Chew, I'll toss it to you first. Good, bad, or indifferent here. Who do you got this week that kind of stood out to you for one way or the other? I'm going to spotlight Mark Mitchell. So the guy that, you know, coming into the season had some pretty high hopes for him. Now, understand, I, I thought that um, there would be ups and downs. I think I mentioned like that kind of Luke Kennard freshman year where he might give you 14 points and in the next game, zero points. Um, and that's kind of what Mark's done over this these last uh, three games in the PK-85. I think he gave us one point uh, against Oregon State and then 16 against Xavier and then two against Purdue, or maybe I had that wrong. Maybe it was two against Oregon State and one against Purdue. But either way, just a variation, you know, like I, I just want to see a little bit more consistency out of the guy. Um, you know, it's a, a player that we, we pulled a, a retired Jersey down out of the rafters and give it to him. So I'd, I'd like to see at least kind of rep that, you know, you're, you're wearing a number one draft picks retired Jersey and one of the greatest they ever play at Duke. So um, it at least have a little pride in that too. Um, so yeah, just Mark, um, and I'm not down on him. I just, like I said, again, I want to see a little bit more consistency out of him. A little more aggressiveness would be nice. You know, that's the part to me that seems really weird is sometimes he's driving to the rack. He's getting fouled. He's really active. And then other times it's like he just allows himself to get taken out of the game a little bit. And some of that's personnel. We'll talk about that. But yeah, um, it, it, does any of it have to do with, you know, we've said it before. He's a, he's a college four and we've got him playing the three. Um and you've got, you know, Lively and and fl not that Flip's hanging around the paint, but he doesn't have, it's not, not like his, you know, driving lanes are, are easy to get into as, to his areas that, that much with, with Lively sitting down there or, or Ryan Young. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's definitely a, a personnel kind of just roster issue um, and not to get too deep into it. But honestly, I think when Shire was looking at this class, he did not expect to have, you're looking at it. Well, why would we have flip Mitchell and lively all coming in together? But if we remember back, flip was a project player outside of the top 100. So I'm sure Shire probably was thinking, okay, I'm going to walk up, you know, flip and then go get Mitchell and lively. And that'll be my start in front court. And now, you know, naturally flips the best player. Right. So, 
what are you going to do? But all right, well, Raul, what about you? Who you got? Yeah, I want to focus on Derek Whitehead, and there's not, you know, a ton that I can say that he's done positively so far. And I just kind of wanted to talk to you guys about how you thought we might be able to kind of integrate him in the offense better. Like, is it another case like with Mitchell where he'll look better if there's a little bit better spacing? Like if we went to flip at the five, Mitchell's at the four, Whitehead's at the three, then suddenly you've got a little bit more open lane because Mitchell, while he, while he might not be a knockdown shooter, is at least going to take threes um, versus Lively's just going to stand there like she was saying. Or is it a case of pace? We're playing at a uh, sub 300 pace right now. Um, I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast, but when I watched Whitehead in uh, high school, their team really got up and down, and that was where he looked at his best. So, you know, it might just be a case of roster construction, but it also might be a case of this style of the team not really fitting his skills. Mm. But then I also kind of feel like we don't run anything for him. And I wondered, is that because he doesn't deserve it? Or is that because we're reincorporating him? Or is that just kind of a coaching oversight? Because there have been a few plays where we have run something for him and they've been somewhat successful. Like there was a, when he came down the lane and tried to hammer that dunk, that was off a screen that got him into the middle. Um, you know, he ended up getting fouled on the dunk, but it would have been a massive, uh, I think that was, she might remember, you have a better memory for this stuff than I do, but was that like midway through the first half or something? Uh, no, I think it was in the second half. Oh, okay, it was in the second half. Yeah, All right. pretty sure it was in the midst of that little run that we were making to kind of get back into the game. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, he also had a pretty good play um, in the Xavier game where he came off a handoff into a screen, hit lively with a perfect pocket pass. Mm-hmm. Yep. So more of that kind of stuff that gets him in motion, almost the way, uh, you know, he's not a player at all like Zion, but the way Zion's used in New Orleans where he catches the ball on the go. Right. That might help him out a little bit. You know, I don't know what the solution is. Um, it would help if he hit more jumpers, but I think that he might have the highest offensive ceiling. So it'd be worth kind of experimenting a little bit with that to see if we could get him going somehow. I think the tempo is definitely something that, that, because we talked about it, you know, we want to get out and run. We've got these athletes, and I know we've all talked about, you know, Dariq being a a great two-way player. Um, So to just get him out on the fast break to get easy baskets, that's what I'd like to see a lot more of. But, you know, we're whatever reason we're we're playing at a UVA pace right now Mm -hmm. with – Minus the efficiency. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's the, yeah. And I I like what you mentioned too about like, we're not really calling plays. Um, And so we're running this kind of like motion style offense where everything is really predicated on guys taking advantage of like opportunities that they get within this, right? And none of it is um, really set up to like run plays for individuals too much, except unless it's like Roach or Proctor kind of calling their number up top, right? Setting the screen everyone else is kind of just doing it an opportune whatever opportunity they get now flip seems to have a little bit more stuff kind of actions that are geared towards him yeah there's, a, there's a bunch of pick and pops that seem to be at least somewhat premeditated with with flip yeah um, do you think whitehead should kind of call up a high ball screen like roach or proctor do like try that a few more times like i don't know is that hijacking the offense in some way like I, I don't know what Shire's feelings would be on that. You know, Roach and Proctor clearly have the green light to do that when they feel like they should be doing it. Yeah. You know, I'd like to see him coming off a little bit more like pin down actions right. or like curls, kind of like you're saying, like he curls to the elbow and catches mm-hmm. like on the move. So he's got the turnaround mid range jumper if he wants it. He's got the rim there. Obviously, you would have Lively or Flip or some combination, um, maybe Roach or somebody in the short corner, something where he's, touching the ball a little bit more and maybe putting him in positions that way to create offense versus now when he gets it, it seems like when he gets it in his head or his role is like, I have to be the scorer. And so it ends up being kind of a bad shot kind of deal. And that's youth. It's, you know, John even mentioned that, you know, he's, he's been back and we've played, you know, whatever five games in nine days or whatever it is, but we've only had one day of practice and it's starting to show. 
that we've mm-hmm. only had one day of practice, you know, like we need to get in the gym. Um, yeah. What you said there, like, it's definitely what I've noticed where it seems like he gets the ball, feels like, oh, wow, somebody actually passed <laughs> me. Now I got to do something. Right. And his first thought is just dribble into whatever shot I can get and just put it up. Doesn't matter yep. whether it's good or not, whether it's in the flow or not. Yeah. Yeah. There's and no it, understanding of giving it up to get it back. Right. Like that's how you really kind of take the next step is I can yeah, give like, it up knowing that I'm getting it back. Like when we've seen that Proctor to flip give and go earlier on in the year, we haven't seen anything like that in several games now. Yeah. Nothing even close to that. Right. And yeah. we saw that multiple times those first few games. It's also Derek. I don't know if how much John loves it, but does it seem like he takes a lot of like foot on the line threes? Not a lot, oh, for sure. Or, or, or like, or like a right inside the line too. Yeah. You know, it's this deep, long two. Ironically, man. those are the shots that he's made the most consistently. I know. I know. I, know. I think um, he's made one every game, or maybe, maybe there's two. something yeah. to that, right? Where he's just kind of a guy that needs to, a little bit of the feel before just getting right into a shot. And a lot of guys mm-hmm. are like that. You know, Proctor is another guy that's really struggled shooting off the catch. He's been way more effective shooting kind of off the dribble and. You know, that's a great skill to have, but if everyone that we have is like that, that makes it a little difficult, right? Like if Roach, Proctor, Grant, or uh, and Whitehead all need the ball to get into it, it's, it's it also tough. seems like they all shoot better from the mid range, which is maybe a little bit of a problem mathematically. Yeah. Like you yeah. can have a one or two mid range shooters, but the fact that Proctor, Roach, Whitehead seems like their best spot for all of them. Yeah, it's, uh, well, I guess I'll round it out with our spotlights of disappointment here a little bit. Um, I'm going to go with Jacob Grandison, and it's just kind of been this roller coaster, kind of like you were saying with Mark Mitchell, wanting to see more consistency. I'd like to see more consistency out of Grandison. I'd like to see a little more consistency out of the opportunities for Grandison. I'm not really sure what, what goes into that, if he'll play 18 to 25 minutes one night, he'll play eight minutes one night. Um but for whatever reason, he only has four points in this PK80 or PK85 event, right? Only 36 minutes, but four points only takes five shots uh, with a team that we desperately needed to score. We couldn't score out there. We got held under 62 out of three games. That's not good. And here's a guy who's a fifth-year senior coming in. Um, his shot looks good. The mechanics looks good. We've seen him have these four for five, five for six type of games. I mean, he averaged 10 points for Illinois last for year. Illinois, a good team. Right? So. We bring him in. Um, he seems to kind of be one of the leaders on the team. I, I'd like to see a little more. Burn. Obviously, I don't know what's behind the closed doors or anything like that that goes into it. Uh, but you would think on these like day-to-day basis games where you're playing three games in four days to – can't be a, a whole lot there, right? So what's going on with the playing time? Um, you know, the consistency there. It's I think a lot of what we're talking about with these three guys comes down to like rhythm. And are we are we setting guys up to getting in a rhythm? And if we're not going to be able to get into a rhythm, then we probably really need the roster or the lineups to be constructed in a way that makes offense easier. And we're not really doing either right now, which is, I mean, the product just, you know, tells the tale. Uh, it, it's not super great, but um, all right. So there's the player spotlights, and now we can kind of open it up and talk about the games a little bit if we want. But I, I think you know, Shu, you had mentioned too, three weeks into the season, kind of looking back at our expectations and where we thought we would want to be in terms of play style. Where are we at now? <laughs> you know, now we're at this kind of. You mentioned the UVA. Being a lesser version of UVA is going to be a really hard sell for me. That's yeah. a really, really <laughs> tough sell. I mean, I hate UVA because I hate watching them play. You know, I don't even consider that basketball. Um, it's not something that's fun. It's not something that's exciting. We've lost our ball movement. Our assist numbers have went down. Uh, we thought that we wanted to play fast, get out and run. You have a Derek Lively. You have a Derek Whitehead. And we're just kind of crawling around the four. Uh, you know, Ryan Young is thriving. He's living his best life, but I'm not sure that's what we want to maximize this team. So where where are y'all at? What are your takeaways from this event? I know we're all, as a fan base, we're kind of down on this. Is there a shot of optimism that we can take here? Or, or what do you see as the biggest areas for change? Raul, I'll go to you first. 
what what changes are you making if you're if you're John? And obviously, we don't have much time. We play again Wednesday. What what can you do? I want to see. You know, I've alluded to it already. I'd like to see Filipowski at the five more. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't always play two bigs. Um, against Purdue, there were several minutes there in the first half where we played one big, but in both lineups, I believe it was um, one was Ryan Young and one was Derek Lively. So you're not taking quite as much advantage of spacing as you would with a flip at the five. Especially when you're matching up with somebody like Zach Eady, who's going to punish you inside, no matter who you put on him, frankly, because he can just shoot over the top. He's got that nice soft touch and that hook shot. Um, I think the way to combat that is not to sort of try to match strength with strength, but to attack his possible weaknesses. Now, I don't know how he would have done, because I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I've watched every defensive possession of Zach Eadie's, but he got to camp in the lane and just stick his arms up. We made defense easy for him. You put flip at the five, uh, you're making it so that Edie now has to come out and guard him in space, and that opens up lanes for everybody else. And just going forward, I think everyone could potentially have more offensive success if we were able to play more of a five-out lineup like that. Um, it's not like it would be a small lineup either. You've got you know, a seven-footer at center. You've got Mark Mitchell at 6'8", or whatever he's listed at at the four. You've got Whitehead at 6'5", or whatever you want to say he is at the three. Um, or you could even put Grandis in there if you prefer, if you just want kind of a more of a role player. Um so I don't think we'd be sacrificing that much in size. Now, our offensive rebounding wouldn't continue to be first in the nation. But right now, I feel like we've sold out too much for that. And you can't only be good at offensive rebounding. You have to be good at something else. Right. Because if you're that good at offensive rebounding, it just means you're missing a ton of shots. Right. right? So maybe we can make some more shots and the offensive rebounding right. percent goes down. Like Even if the offensive fine. rebounding dropped to 30% instead of 42%, but we gain something in terms of shooting, driving lanes, and all that stuff, the trade-off would be worth it. Yeah, and that's that's my point, really, is we've got to figure out a way to fix the offense. I mean, right now, you know, I plagiarizing Ken Palm here a little bit, but right now we're 270th in effective field goal percentage. We're sub 300 in three-point percentage. You know, we're 29% as a team from three. Um, those are just bad, bad numbers. And I think part of it is, you know, I thought Lively and Shire talked about this in the presser a little bit of he had some really great early possessions of how he was defending Edie. The issue is, and you don't have to be an offensive threat, like he's not an offensive player, but you have to be somewhat viable. And he's just the the three-point shot that we thought was going to be a part of his game. I think he took one against Purdue, and that might have been his only one. Wasn't even um, close. Wasn't yeah. even close. Um he might have more fouls than points at this point. I'd have to go look yep, at the number. He does. But it's probably yeah, close more fouls to that. than points. All of them are off dunks. Uh, and there's just, there's got to at least be a little bit of when you, if you're that athletic, to be able to catch and just get to the rim a little bit there. And, and there's just not. Um, so we got to figure out what to do with him. Got to get the spacing better. Got to get the shooting better. I don't know if we can improve the shooting drastically. But we, we really need to be closer to 35% than we do 29. That's not going to do it, especially well, that, playing two bigs. I think you got to, we've had a lot of open threes. We just haven't made them. You know, like I told you guys earlier, um, Tyrese is five for 32 on the season at 15%. Um, Jalen, I think he's made like six of 18, which is he's hit more threes than he did all last year. Um, but that one he missed in, in, kind of the crunch time of Purdue game it clinked off the side of the backboard uh pretty pretty tough shot um yeah but I believe he was five he started out the season five of nine and now he's six of 18 so do the math on that one right? <laughs> yeah true <laughs> sure. um uh, like right now I think flips hit 12 and Jeremy's hit 12 and you know that's that's the most we've got um what did Jacob was what seven of didn't you say seven of ten last week when we yeah, did the podcast was you know, and then comes out this week and just doesn't shoot them at all. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'd like to see 
more shots from Jacob, probably from Flip and from Roach than from Proctor and Mitchell and Blakes. And, and Derek doesn't look bad. Um, he's, I think he made two in one of those games. Was it the Purdue game? Not two in the Purdue game. It might have been the Xavier game. I think Xavier game he made two. Yeah. 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 He had um, a really smooth one that was, um, it's the kind of play I'm talking about that I was saying I didn't like from him where he just catches the ball. Um, he gives a slight fake. The defender maybe backs up a foot or so, and then he just launches it and he makes yeah. it. It looked really smooth, but at the same time, it wasn't really what I would call a good shot. It just happened to go in. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, I think my biggest concern right now for us is definitely offensive. I mean, it's, oh yeah, you know, it, it's something that we have to work on. And it's not that I think that we're incapable of doing it. Like Shire saying, we haven't had much practice time with, with the full group. Um, but there's some things that, and this kind of falls into my next point, the rotation consistency isn't helping the offense. I don't think, you know, I'm not trying to rag on Ryan Young, but he kind of is what he is a little bit at this point. And if we're thinking ceiling, if we're thinking long-term, um, we, we got to do some, we got to get some more creativity. We got to get some more sets in there. I think these freshmen that we have in this class need a little bit more of that structure maybe to, differentiate whose turn it is, who's doing what, how we're going to get our points. Even against Xavier, when we had such a great half and we had a pretty good offensive game, it wasn't really anything that we were doing. It was more so that Roach just took over and was making a ton of tough shots. Like he was doing what he did in the tournament last year. Um, and you need that, but it doesn't solve our long-term problems because he's done that once in what, eight games now. So mm -hmm. how reliable is that going to be? It's, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do, but um, and maybe it's going small. Maybe it's shifting the, the lineups a little bit. Um, the rotations, you know, we're playing, we're playing guys just random minutes here a little bit. Whitehead's getting a lot of burn. Blakes and Grandison didn't get much burn against uh, Purdue. And it's, I guess I'm, what I'm trying to come to is I'm trying to figure out like what's dictating that, you know, cause I'm not seeing a whole lot from Lively mm -hmm. or Whitehead that's dictating them playing 20 minutes. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. Some of it's politics, I'm sure, when you're recruiting some of these guys, that just goes into it as well. Um, and it could be like sort of perceived ceiling too. That's um, true. That Whitehead and Lively give us a higher ceiling. But in that case, maybe don't play young as much as you're playing him. Um, I feel like the one that mystifies me the most is why young is playing more than Grandison. Yeah. I don't get it. Like, I mean, young's given us some valuable minutes. Don't get me wrong, but it seems like he's just in this position where for whatever reason he's earned Shire's trust, maybe in a way that certain other guys haven't, but I feel like Blake's and Grandison both can give us more of what we need out there. You know, not not saying they're even better players, just it's about what the team's lacking. Right. And you can't really take a transfer from Northwestern and play him the same amount of minutes at Duke that he's playing at Northwestern, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of like, you know, I don't think our goal here is to become Northwestern. No knock on them. Um, but it, it's just, and I think, you know, we've talked about this off air. I think the most frustrating thing for me and for a lot of the fan base is this you know, a lot of this stuff would be fine if there was this sense of like, okay, well, we're going to bring three or four of these guys back. You know, we're going to, obviously we can't even do that because our class next year is loaded and we're all excited about those guys coming in, but that makes every single thing so much like blown up, right? Every little fall, every little wall, every loss, because it's like, okay, well, we have three months and then we're going to lose five more of these guys and we're going to try it again. Um, I think that's what makes it kind of so easy to just like want to check out or just to get so kind of like pessimistic about it. Cause there's just no, you know, how much improvement can we really have with five 18 year olds in the next two months? Hopefully a lot, but you know, I mean, history tells us that probably not, you know, a lot of the times that the guys that come in that are super NBA ready and are dominant are usually dominant from the get go. You know, that's typically kind of how it's worked here. Um, Maybe we'll see something different, you know, and not to compare it to K, but, you know, I mentioned a while back about should we make kind of flip the alpha. And I think K would have done that kind of 
four or five games ago and young probably wouldn't be playing much at all. And um, maybe that was not the right way to go either, but that's all we know. And so that's kind of where the comparison goes back to. But I mean, the downside to that approach is you kind of limit the room for growth and maybe a team this young without any spectacularly good players really needs room to grow. Yep. Um, cause we're talking about making Filipowski the alpha, but look at his shooting per- percentages. Yeah, they're bad. <laughs> yeah. It's like on, uh, you know, some of our other really dominant freshman teams, he would have been the fourth best player. Yep. Yeah. And that's a great point too, of obviously all we can think of now is, is, is the short-term play. Cause that's all we have to look at. But, you know, if we're able to pan out, it's like, well, if you do that, we, we maybe we beat Purdue or maybe we don't lose to Kansas and maybe we're sitting here at eight and oh or seven and one. And, um, but then we flame out down the road because we're not, we don't have anything else to go to. So hopefully we continue to see some evolution here. Hopefully things continue to kind of develop a little bit. Um, so I did want to just interject in, yeah. in the Purdue game. I did like John switching up and going to that zone. Obviously, I think that kind of turned the tide and and we were able to fight back in it. Whereas I don't know if, you know, in the previous coaching uh, staff, if that would have happened, right? Not this early on. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, maybe, in, the, maybe in February if we were struggling, but right. But not yeah, right now, not, not in the November game. Right. Yeah. Like it. And if we would have kept in man to man, we were just, we were, we were on the route to, to lose about 30. Right. Like mm-hmm. it was looking yeah. like that real quick. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we cut it to five, what, six, seven points? Seven. We got it to yeah. six or seven. Yeah. 55, yeah. 62. And then it yep. was nothing, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Flip made a but, free throw and that was it. But, but like you pointed out, Josh, I mean, it was, it's, so it's 55, 62 with nine minutes to go. We don't score anything else but a, a free throw. One free throw. But they only scored 12 points too, right? So yeah. <laughs> if you just don't literally fall flat on your face you're probably in that game you know two plays we could have made in that game and we put a ton of pressure one it's either lively gets a block whitehead kind of gets the steal or something but then he loses the ball they miss it we get it back and then proctor drives down and charges if we make that i think that makes it either a six-point game or a four-point game at that point you start to put a little pressure on it right and there's another play later on um, where I think it was Mitchell had a wide open look, good look, just missed it, right? Just rimmed out and he missed the shot. If we make those two and we're looking at a one possession game, then there's some real game pressure that comes into that. And I believe Whitehead had a corner three mm-hmm. that would have yeah. cut it to 58-62. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of, not Mitchell. Right, yeah. Maybe it's, I, that's, yeah. Maybe it's that, but that one, yeah. And, and the corner is probably his best spot, too. And I think there was one spot, I don't remember the score, but I know it was tight. Ryan Young called it in the high post and I, he wanted to to, you know, big to big pass it, download a flip or lively had like a little guy on, but instead he he decided to take like a little fifteen foot jump shot that was not a very good shot either. Not not it. Yeah. It's you know, it's little things. Um, but it, it's also it's as the the longer it gets away and the emotionality kind of drains out from it a little bit, it's, we're not far away, right? Even in that Kansas game, I remember us talking about it, like it was kind of doom and gloom. And it's like, that goes a little bit the other way. And we win by five or six, right? We win by 10 or 15. Um, this one, we might not win, but I think the, the image would be a lot different from a 76, 70 loss than a, you know, 75, 56 loss. You know, like if we just, match them and score just 12 more points which still isn't great but if we scored 12 points in nine minutes and you lose by six it's like okay well you know tough loss but you move on from it i think here though it's it's a little bit more concerning but it's not so much that i'm concerned about john because we haven't really had time you three games in four days what it's hard to really make you know too many adjustments um especially some of the things we're talking about are kind of like major adjustments that would need to occur through practice um Obviously, some of the in-game stuff, like going to zone, is a good sign to see because I think that's the hardest thing to do as a coach is to be able to make like significant in-game adjustments. And I think that's what made K the GOAT a lot of times is some of those like halftime adjustments, um, you know, some of the things we would start doing, you know, ask Izzo if you want to know what that's like, right, of how to make in-game, ask Calipari. Um, we've picked those guys apart by being able to do that. It's really hard to do it 
And so maybe we're just not quite there yet from on the staff perspective or, or the player's perspective, or maybe it's just still too early to tell, you know, it's still a super small sample size. Um, but you know, there's, we like to call it like it is, you know, we like to be realistic. There's no reason to kind of, um, you know, sing Kumbaya and paint rainbows if it's not raining, you know? Yeah. I mean, look to me all in all, like, I thought we were kind of overrated to start the season by the media, you know, top 10. I thought, I think we said it on here. I thought we were a 15 to 20 range team. And that's what, you know, we're sitting at the new AP poll. What did we come out to 17 today, mm-hmm. 17 or 18? And that's I think about Ken, where Palm, Ken Palm, yeah. Ken Palm has us at 20th, right? So, right. you know, those jive pretty well. Um, and I think that's, that's pretty, you know, pretty telling or pretty, pretty correct for where we are. Um, I think there's a lot of ways that we can improve that. Obviously, like we've been talking about this whole time, the offense has to get better. The defense has been pretty solid, but the offense, I mean, could be the worst offense. I've and maybe seen. that's what it is, right? Because I kind of thought that would be flipped a little bit. You know, yeah. I thought that our defense would be pretty good, but I just, maybe it's just me being stereotypical, but just no, like looking at Shire, like him as a player who I thought he might be as a coach. I just kind of thought the offense might be a little bit ahead of it. And maybe that's just because that's what we're used to at Duke. Yeah. Um, and that being reversed has kind of created some kind of weird dynamics a little bit and how we're viewing the team and how we're seeing the team. Um, I did see something on the boards that I really liked, and I think it really just hammers home Raul's point about sliding down a spot. Is I forget the poster who said it, but they were talking about Dariq, but I think it applies to Mitchell as well. Of Dariq's used, to, they were talking about a specific play, but they're like Dariq's used to being able to get that ball and get to the rim there. And you can see he's like thinking that he can do that. And the step up in athleticism and just playing in college is like, no, you can't do that, right? Like you have to be better now to be able to get there. And I think we're seeing that. And I think we're also seeing that from Mitchell a little bit too, of some of the ways he was able to score and the ease with which he was able to get his points in high school. One, you're playing to three, so it's going to be even harder, but you're also playing against college athletes, right? And so I think some of that is just an adjustment to the physicality and the speed of the game. Um, we've seen that from Proctor a little bit too. So, but imagine if their big man is out in space, right? Then you can the get there. You can you get can. there. Then you um, can. Even with much better players than we have on this year's roster, we've seen them benefit from that. Um, you know, when once we moved Tatum, Ingram, Winslow, once we moved all of them to the four, their games really took off. Yeah, and we didn't sacrifice that much, if anything, defensively. So I don't really see a downside in trying it, especially when you have a big who can shoot threes like Flip and can play right. on the perimeter. Right. And you have to kind of question like what's what's your ceiling going to be? Is the defense good enough to go all in on that and make that your ceiling? And if it's I don't think it is. I think the defense is really good. It's just kind of good right now. Right. It's just say? kind of good. Yeah. But if it's not, then I think that's where one of K's strengths is even for teams that weren't good. I think he recognized, like, let's look at 2014. He recognized that, like, we're just not going to be a good defensive team, really, regardless of what I do. So I'm just going to sell out. Jabbar, you're going to play the five, bro. You're going to be a five. You know, like, I'm <laughs> taking you. You came here talking about wanting to be a wing, wanting to play the three. You're a five. And he took off. And, like, the team fizzled and we lost to Mercer. But, you know, the team was kind of fine, really, for the for the most part. I mean, it was okay. Um, number, number one offense. That right. Part he sold out for offense and was like, you know, look, I'm just going to take a stab at it here and see if this can take us somewhere. And we fizzled and it didn't. But I think there's times where he's done that and it has worked out, you know. And so I think now the biggest question for John and the staff as they sit down is to probably say, okay, where's our ceiling? What side of the ball is our ceiling going to be? And how do we get there? And Because um, I don't think the roster sets itself up to really have both, right? You can't be the rebounding juggernaut. You can't, and like the big team, and um, and then also be like a, you know, a, a high-flying up-and-down offense. So you kind of have to pick and choose. Um, so I guess, you know, we'll kind of see, see what that decision looks like. But... Uh, anything else from you all about from the tournament so far, or, you know, changes you'd like to see or anything kind of, you know, lingering questions before we look at uh, Ohio State? Uh, just a quick global point. I think you brought up earlier about the lack of practice time. So to me, what we're seeing here is a kind of, there's not one factor you can blame. It's like a combination of things. All right. You've got a new coach. He had injured players over the summer. 
He had Tyrese Proctor come in late. Um, and on top of that, we have a, a pretty weak class, let's be honest, um, where the top players, you know, po- with the possible exception of Filipowski, and maybe there's somebody else uh, around the country doing really well that I don't know about, but um, the top players don't really look like top players. So you put these young players on a team without any experience, don't give them as much summer to develop, and give them a new coach who himself is still learning. And this is the result. Yeah, that's not helping him out, right? Like, if Lively is transcendent, then you right. can get like a little bit of break. If he has, if he has Zion, he's fine, right? Like, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, paper or, over everything, or Whitehead, right? Like, it's really unfortunate that both of those guys happen to be hurt. Um, because those are both probably the two guys that could really cover up a lot for you and make you look good when you don't make the right calls, right? Or you're not putting the team together the best way, maybe. Um, but you know, and you're right. Like, who else is out here killing it? Like, I don't. Maybe there is, and I just don't watch as much college basketball as I used to. But like, I don't really remember hearing a whole lot from some of these other freshmen that are just lighting it up. You know, I mean, so, Grady Dick. Obviously, we've seen him, and then Keontae George. Uh, Anthony yeah, Black, you know, yeah. Anthony, yeah, Black, Anthony Black is a good call for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's been a few, um, but. Yeah. But for overall, even those guys, it's like you're shouting out Grady Dick who looked great against us and he's had his moments, but it's not like he's just Mr. Consistent, like right. lighting it up for him. You know, no, but I not think what do you have like 25 against state? I don't yeah. know. If one he's of good in his role, right? yeah. but he's not like, a, um, you know, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he is. He's he's playing fine. He's playing fine, but he's walking into a much better situation. I think at Kansas too, mm-hmm. you know, where he's able to come in and just kind of be that Lots guy. Of experience there. Yeah. Um, you know, didn't do anything against Tennessee really. It was okay against Wisconsin. He did, he did crush state and, you know, gave us a little bit of the business, but that's really about it. I mean, he's walking onto it team that just won the national championship and returned some guys so it's a much different situation we returned jeremy roach yeah yeah and that's kind of the next thing too right of you know at this point it's kind of roach is kind of who he is so you just kind Mm -hmm. of take that with you know how you get it from him um but you know i think there's several things that could happen and you know look we have how many games left in the regular season 20 21 right. something like that right so there's plenty of time uh and there's gonna there's gonna be a lot practice. more of those uh delaware usc upstate type teams that we can play i mean frankly with how bad the the Half ACC the is like that yeah. right yeah so right so i think there, there's gonna be some room to experiment yeah. you know against when we have boston college at home or something i don't want to you know sound arrogant about they're fully capable of beating us i believe a couple of years ago didn't we win by one point at home against boston college so anything can happen but those are the situations where you want to start you know let's try to run more for whitehead because even if it doesn't work out you can still win the game versus purdue it's not a good idea to start trying to do that in the middle of the purdue game right 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 and hopefully there's a break coming up in the schedule um we play Iowa December 6th, Maryland mm-hmm. Eastern Shore December 10th, and then we have 10 days off to play Wake Forest and then right. 11 days off before we play Florida State. That's a great time. Hopefully, I know there's finals and some guys are going to be going home for the uh, for break and stuff, but from the staff, at least they get to really look at film and really kind of come up with some different different game plans here. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens with it. So let's talk a little bit about Ohio State. So... Um, obviously we played Ohio state last year. Shu, you were in attendance for that. We should have beat Ohio state. We had that game. Just you talk about, uh, not scoring for nine minutes against Purdue. It felt like we didn't score for about 22 minutes against Ohio state. We were cruising, um, should have won that game. Didn't work out Ohio state this year. They've been pretty good. They're kind of right there where Duke is. Uh, I think they're 19th now on Ken Palm. So they've, they've jumped us by one. They got a really good offense, really bad defense. Uh, not, not really bad defense, but it's 63rd. not great. 63rd, you know, so not, not anything, um, super incredible. And Raul, I don't know if it was you that was talking in the chat or, or maybe it was even while we were talking here, but how would they relate a little bit to Xavier of how mm-hmm. we were able to have our best offensive game because Xavier's a good offensive team, not a great defensive team maybe we'll see something like that maybe we'll get a home crowd kind of a a buffer there a little bit um 
But yeah, the, uh, the reason I said that is because um, it's pretty similar. Uh, I believe Xavier was more like 13th in offense and 75th in defense, whereas Ohio State's like 6th and 63rd or something like that. But um, really similar. And another thing is that uh, both teams offensive rebound well. So this will be our third team in a row that offensive. So we're really getting our defensive rebounding tested. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I think we could see a game that where it's a little bit more freedom to do what we want on offense than we had against Purdue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say that their defense, while not great overall, one thing, mm-hmm. two things they do do kind of well, are they block shots and they get steals yeah. at a decent clip. Um, two things that have kind of been a little question marks for us. We've coughed the ball up a little bit and um, I don't know. I wouldn't say we've gotten our shot blocked a ton outside no, of Kansas. We, if we, we charge that Kansas game, you know, we charge yeah. before we get the shot. We just charge into you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just body you. Um, but they haven't really played a tough schedule either. They played San Diego State, got beat by 11. They did beat Cincinnati pretty well. Um, they crushed them. And then they turn around and beat a pretty good Texas Tech team. So, you know, decent resume. Should be a good test. I think. Can Ken we please, Pong, can we please sh- shut down Zed Key this year? Yes. Nice. Yes. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Last year, leaving the shot, that's all I heard these Ohio State fans talk about was Zed Key and how awesome he was. And I was like, I don't even know who the hell this guy is. And, and he hadn't he had, done anything before then. It didn't do anything after either. He so. had like 20 points and 20 rebounds. I think just crushed Mark somehow. I didn't understand it. But it's like the worst three-hour drive from Columbus to Cleveland at midnight that you could ever imagine. Yeah, he's got a little bit of the uh, Bonzi Colson kind of like his neck's bigger than his body kind of thing going on there too a little bit. Um, which They're is, a really small team too, it looks like, just looking at their roster this year. Um, I'm looking down their significant contributors. Tallest one is uh, 6'8", and that's Zed Key. Okay, um, great. So You have to get to, down to a guy who barely plays before you get to a 6'11 player. So that'll be interesting to see um, what that. It'll also be interesting to see if we continue to just stick die hard to the two big lineup. Is that going to be right. feasible in this game? They 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 can score. Um, they they're probably going to try to spread us out a lot. Mm, yeah. They're going to play the four out, maybe even five out a little bit. So that's going to kind of be a big test, especially for Wifely, who's had some really good defensive moments but he seems to not be able to play defense without fouling right now. Like his foul rate is really, really high. Um, so that, that's a little bit concerning there. He gets so. some bad, he gets some bad calls, but he also brings it on himself a little bit. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but when he goes up for the contest, you know, he, he, he always brings down his arms just a little bit, like right at the end. And that's what's getting him the call. He needs to study uh, Mark Williams and, frankly, as weird as it sounds, even Marquise Bolden mm. for that kind of verticality. Those guys mm. were really good at just challenging shots and being completely vertical. And I really think that that's what's hurting him. He's also made some kind of dumb reach-ins, but um, it's mainly that verticality that's his issue. Yeah, and you know, I think it's, we, we've kind of vented our frustrations a little bit. We've talked about some different kind of you know opportunities, but at this point also, like a lot of these guys, you know, I don't want to continue to harp every week that Liveway's not doesn't look like the number one pick or doesn't look like the number one. You know, he doesn't, he's not, but this is what we got. This is what we're going to do with it. So let's try to figure it out and hope that maybe we can get something from him. Um, I think it's there. I think we see a little bit of it. You know, there's a lot of things that have to happen for it to really maximize. We're probably not going to see the best version of him at this point. Um, but I think we can hopefully at least see a good version, which would be nice. And so, whether that's be nice if it was against Ohio State, but at some point in conference we're going to need him. <laughs> we can't we can't give it up now, you know. It's obviously just for image wise, you couldn't do that anyway. But, um, but either way, so Ken Palm's predicting a uh, I think a three point uh, Duke win. I think they had it at seventy to sixty seven. Mm-hmm. Y'all agree with that? You you feeling yeah. like a good bounce back for Duke or? Uh, well, seventy I didn't, but I guess they don't play defense, so. You know, just the, I mean, when's it? When's the last time we scored seventy points? <laughs> yeah, Xavier by one, right? We got seventy-one. So okay, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, and that was so, at the forty-point half, I think. So, thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I hope we win. I'm going to be there, so I don't want to see two losses to Ohio State in a row. If we do, uh, you're not allowed to go. Anymore. I guess not. <laughs> yeah, I will be banned. Banned myself. 
Yeah, I I think we'll bounce back. I do like the matchup for us. I guess I could see the small ball being a problem, but I tend to think at home, um, our size is really going to allow us to dominate them because it can go either way, right? It can they can uh, they can you know spread us out and drive over and over, or we can just dominate them inside. And I, I especially I feel like Cameron has been maybe a little bit more of an advantage this year than in years past. Like we pretty much played great in every I know I know they weren't great opponents but even compared to the opponent we played great in every uh, we haven't laid as many duds as like in previous years where Cameron just seems super flat right right um yeah you know I kind of agree you know I really hope that we that we'd bounce back but if we don't I don't think it's the end of the world on a short turnaround flying back across the country um but there's several reasons I think to be optimistic you know Ohio State does have a good offense but they don't really play really fast so they're not going to try to just get out and just completely run us now maybe they will and it'll be a complete anomaly game like we're used to seeing from NC State but on paper they don't do that stuff and so I think our defense should be able to hold up our defense has been fine we've seen a lot of different offenses that have tried to spread us out and we've been pretty much fine obviously yeah. this is a step up in competition um but I think for me I'm really looking to see if there's any kind of tweaks to what we're doing offensively any tweaks to like rotational stuff or minute distribution um that's going to be the big takeaway I think you know he has it us winning by three uh you know i think i would take that i would take the points on that if we were if um if i was a betting guy so i think we would cover but you know we're at home i like what you talked about cameron kind of having a new vibe a new renewed energy if you will whatever you want to call it um so you know i'll I'll take us kind of having that bounce back game figuring some things out getting a big win um Mainly because even when we against the Purdue game, the final score doesn't show it, but we could have easily laid down and just quit. Oh, but yeah. I thought we competed. We just didn't make shots down those last nine minutes. We've had some, we had some really kind of dumb turnovers and stuff, but it's not like we kind of stopped competing until it was about like a minute and a half, two minutes to go, and it was just it was just done at that point. But um, you know, we got we put ourselves in a position to make the game competitive. We did the same thing against Kansas. We just kept calling, staying in it, staying in it. I mean, so Kansas, we were actually leading. We with were five winning. Minutes. We should yeah. have won the game. Yeah. So. We folded the last five minutes. We kind of I mean, choked we could, a little bit. I don't know that this is a good thing, but we could have lost that Oregon State game, but we fought sure. back and won. You know, we sure. were down what six in the second half, I think, something Even, like that. Even the Xavier game when we we mm-hmm. went up kind of at a decent clip and then they pushed it all the way back to like a one possession yeah. game or a four point game and we still kind of you know we stuck with it kept going um, showed some good resolve in that regard so you know and Xavier you know they only, they lost to Gonzaga by four on Sunday right. so yeah, who knows how good Gonzaga yeah. is but Xavier seems like they're that's a quality opponent looks like a pretty good win on paper um, you know they should they should be pretty good Sean Miller is obviously you know pretty well renowned in that regard so. We definitely do, speaking of good wins, we definitely do need to get some at some point. So that's the only reason why a loss to Ohio State would be kind of, you know, maybe not damaging, that's too strong a word, but it would be a missed opportunity for us because the conference is so weak. We've only got maybe four chances at marquee wins left. We've got Ohio State, Iowa, I guess maybe how many, do we play Virginia once or twice? Once, uh, once. Yep. So Virginia at Virginia. Yeah. So 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 five total. I guess we're, we're looking at. I mean, you know, if you consider Ohio State and Iowa both, you know, marquee level wins, and then it, it just depends on what happens to UNC. Yeah, and then teams like kind of Miami's hovering right. around there. Yeah. Um, Virginia you know, Tech, maybe Virginia Tech, yeah. even NC State and Wake are kind of hovering in right. an area where they could become quad one. So right. I was yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm State, more thinking of the quad honestly. one. Yeah. Sorry, what did you say? I, I I've only watched State play Kansas, but I was impressed with them that game. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think Kansas is all that great, um, but you know, coming into the year, I didn't think NC State was going to be. Oh yeah, I thought it'd be terrible. That good and um, so yeah. yeah, and they turn around and beat Dayton and Butler, which are both respectable teams after Kansas. So you know they're. I bet we play them on the road, don't we? Oh, oh we play them at State. Oh, we okay. play them right after New Year's. So, so it's we January fourth, expect... Wednesday game. Expect annihilation. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. they're going to put up ninety six on us like they always do. Yeah, a couple yeah. banked threes, uh, fifteen turnaround jumpers. 
from some guy you never hear from again. Uh, oh, maybe yeah. T. T. Smith. Yeah. Terquavion yeah. Smith will probably go for 50. You know, yeah. some dude named Jarkle Joiner will probably go <laughs> off against us. So it's like, whatever. Yeah, what Was that a real name do? or is that something you pulled off the Key and Peel sketch? Yeah, <laughs> is that a real name? It's Jarkle Joiner, you know, <laughs> okay. aka Steve Urkel, aka AA <laughs> <A-A> Ron. <laughs> yeah, AA Ron. Um, yeah, you know, so. I don't know. I'm not super down on this yet. You do make a great point about needing key wins. And right now we're one and two in those opportunities. We beat Xavier, lost to Purdue, lost to Kansas. We have Ohio State and Iowa as the next two in our Iowa conference. It'd be nice to go above 500 to go three and two. At this point, you know, you got to go two and three. You mm-hmm. can't go one and four. Um, that would be pretty pretty hard to overcome. I mean, and we're not even talking about number one seed, not getting it. We're, we're talking about even trying to get a top five seed, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you're one and four there, that's going to make life really difficult, but you know, I still got a little ways away from that, but anything else from you all before we get out of here? No. Silence, huh? silence. Silence. All right. Well, silence. just, uh, just sitting yeah. in my, sitting in my gloom, you know, just <sighs> dwelling in it. <laughs> yeah well you know it was feast week and so it was a lot of good ball on and you know if we, we kind of were, were pretty hard on duke too but i mean you could be carolina right you could be the number one twice. team and take two all, don't even play you know you're losing consolation games and that's probably the worst four overtime game i've ever even heard of and seen it was absolute <laughs> i think well, rj and love missed like 45 shots or something. they were like 16 of 60 or something <sighs> Ooh. You know, but on the positive note, Baycott continues his streak of the best player in America to play with four fouls. So you got that going for you. I'm sure that will continue. Um, mm, Pete Nance, I think, uh, in that quadruple overtime game, he took four shots. So yeah. pulling a Grandis in there. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we might not be great and that's a little petty, but I'm here for it. And, you know, go to <laughs> Hell Carolina and we'll just continue to. To, to rag on them as yeah, much we as might, we can. Yeah, we might suck, but everybody else does too. Yeah, you know, and we're 20th on Kim Palm, but Carolina's 21st. So, <laughs> nice. you know, there you go. How about that? But, uh, well, you know, in the meantime, rate, review, subscribe, email us at thedevilsdenpod at gmail.com. Check us out on the boards at thedevilsden.com. Um, you know, we're, we're going to be back at it Wednesday in Cameron, hopefully to, to see the crowd rocking there. It should be, usually in these ACC Big Ten games, um, it, it's a pretty, pretty electric in there, but you know, as the saying goes, in the meantime, keep the faces strong and the verify. Go do it.